Hi, and welcome to the fifth episode of Tech Nuggets. I'm Patrick, I'm Managing Director at FEV Consulting Iberia, and I'm dialing in again from Bilbao. 1,500 kilometers away, I have with me Johannes, Johannes sitting in Cologne. Hi. Yes. Hi, and uh, also from my side, welcome to everyone to what is our fifth episode now of Tech Nuggets. And uh, this fifth episode will um, conclude the discussion we had so far. Um, hopefully, it's not going to be the last episode, but that is uh, <laughs> yes. clearly depending on your feedback. Um, but as I said, this is going to be a, quite a special episode, which we were uh, looking for quite eagerly. So for that reason, we are uh, today also discussing together. Exactly. We have um, addressed uh, previously different powertrain types. We've discussed on hydrogen in fuel cells and H2 ICEs. We have discussed battery electric applications. We have uh, talked about the potentials of, of e-fuels. And today we have with us Thomas. Thomas is the global head of powertrain strategies and FEV. And we hope he can explain us the bigger picture. Exactly. I'm sure he can help us to put that all into context. And uh, as said, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, it's going to be the two of us today who are shooting questions at him. Um, so let's see how he reacts. I hope you enjoy it. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, Thomas. How are you? Hi, guys. Uh, very good. Happy to be here. How are you guys? Great, great. Looking very much forward to having that discussion. Thomas, uh, during the introduction with Johannes, I already mentioned that you are the global head of powertrain strategies at FEV. Can you tell the audience what that is and what your responsibility is? Basically, I'm uh, consolidating uh, the technical insights from our global FEV team related to powertrain and vehicle strategies and also the market insight, our customer insights related to uh, powertrain and vehicle strategies. And based on that, I am building basically the big picture and the FEV view on these topics. So I guess the absolute right guy to talk to when we want to put the different technologies together. I guess so. I hope so. I, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Thomas, we want to give it, I would say, a bit of a personal touch here before moving into the technical details. Johannes has prepared a couple of specific surprise questions all right surprising and specific so the first one uh right away would be quite easy uh thomas what what was your first car not that easy i first during my studies drove a opel corsa b a red one by the way and then the first one i really bought and owned was after i started working uh, and that was an audi a5 three liter diesel nice car Good start. <laughs> Good start. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't say nice car about the first one. Um, I, I feel it was my first car too. Not in red though. Um, then uh, next question would be: Did you name any of your cars? I didn't. You should have. You should have. I had plenty of names for my cars. <laughs> trust me. Um, then we would go with number three. And number three is uh, Thomas. Is it for you, motorsports or football? I would have to say it's more football. It's more football, yeah. Okay, and then the last question again is quite easy, but sometimes a little bit painful. Uh, is it Dortmund or is it Munich? 
<laughs> Painful, definitely. For me, it is Bayern Munich. Uh, and certainly hope that not too many people from my hometown are listening because since, since childhood, that has been a big fight because that's a very much Borussia Dortmund focused group of people. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure that they are going to listen. Yeah. <laughs> Trust it me. doesn't help. <laughs> Okay, uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, I would say now that we got to know you a little bit better, uh, let's dive right into it. All right. Thomas, Johannes and I, we already talked to a couple of our colleagues on future and relevant powertrain technologies. We discussed fuel cells uh, with Marius. We discussed H2 ICEs with Lucas. We discussed EVs with Michael. And we also talked about e-fuels with Benedict, always really looking into pros, into advantages, but also challenges of these technologies. Now, a simple question to, to begin that discussion, who did you find most convincing? Simple question, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, first of all, all of these colleagues are very convincing in their field. But when we talk about the technology, battery versus hydrogen versus synthetic fuels, for sure, um, it very much depends on the type of vehicle we're talking about, the region, uh, the point in time, and then not last but not least, the surrounding energy production and distribution system. So the answer is very different. What kind of system do we see in a passenger car in Europe versus a truck in China? or a wheel loader in the US or even in an international plane or ship. Mm. So uh, um, it's a very complex answer to that simple question. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. It's a very complex field. And um, when you look at what happened over the last years, especially in the Pascal area, you had OEMs like Toyota um, introducing the famous hybrid really, and then also introducing a fuel cell vehicle. You have Porsche, with the Taycan battery electric vehicle, but at the same time working on e-fuels quite famously. Um, you have all those different um, you know, technology directions. Shouldn't it be now the time to focus on one? Uh, definitely, that would be the ideal case also in order to streamline investments and really for that specific technology to have um, um, the best possible outcome mm. but um, really unfortunately so to speak we have a huge variety of applications so that um, we believe um, for sure on the passenger car side you will see a dominating role of battery electric vehicles but when you go into heavier on-road vehicles for sure hydrogen will play a big role and then um, it really also differs on the region as I as I mentioned and uh, last but not least if you go on sea or any aircrafts, then you will have different solutions in the end to defossilize, um, even though it would be um, the better solution to have one uh, one fits all solution. But that's uh, mm, mm. very likely not going to happen. Mm. Right. You 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 mentioned streamlining. When I when I uh, put that again into perspective with different OEM strategies, Johannes mentioned that different OEMs are putting different technologies in place, would you expect a streamlining, a stronger streamlining of a technology offering of the different OEMs over the next couple of years? Or do we see still a wide variety of offerings towards 2030? Mm. 
So, so let's let's focus on uh, the largest portion of the mobility system, passenger cars. Mm. So here, especially when we look into Europe and also other large markets, there will be a very big focus on battery electric vehicles, mm. driven by huge advancements in energy density and also cost uh, uh, degradation of batteries. And then if you, for example, you mentioned Toyota, uh, very much focusing in the past on hybrids, but also on uh, hydrogen, but very recently also announcing a stronger lineup on battery electric vehicles. So for the passenger cars, uh, we do expect, especially in the 2020s, an increased focus on battery electric vehicles uh, and uh, driven by huge investments into that technology um, so that by the end of 20 of the 2020s towards 2030 we will have a lot more battery electric vehicles sold and on the road accompanied by maybe fuel cell or hydrogen based powertrains mm -hmm. okay um, so that is the the battery electric um, powertrain then there is the fuel cell and everything hydrogen you mentioned already um, rather for long-haul application that could be um, beneficial uh, is that correct and what role especially in your mind will the hydrogen combustion engine then play yeah for sure um, if we move the further we move into heavier applications the more beneficial can a hydrogen powertrain be compared to a battery electric one so going away from passenger car where there is still a niche market for fuel cell in the future for sure moving into medium and heavy commercial vehicles mm -hmm. and especially in 40 ton long haul trucks for example there um, let's say the battery technology um, has its limits you need a lot of energy and thereby a lot of battery packs and there we see a good chance a viable chance of fuel cells uh, and also hydrogen ICE, the question here for the long haul application will be in case, let's say the fuel cell is a big enough market. So we have enough investments so that the costs go down on the fuel mm -hmm. cell. And mm -hmm. at the same time, second biggest, biggest challenge is durability of the fuel cell. If that all is happening, then we see a very good chance of uh, fuel cell rollout in heavy commercial vehicle. If that is not going to happen, and still cost and durability will be a challenge. That can be the time for the hydrogen ICE, which is a more ready to use technology because mm. it's based on very well-known combustion engines. So there is a possibility that we will see hydrogen ICEs, especially um, if OEMs focus on <laughs> it in a very short-term and a short-term way to put hydrogen on the streets. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Thomas, I want to pick up another word and keyword you mentioned, defossilization. I think a term which is also discussed widely in politics uh, these days. Now, we hear on a daily basis, basically, new sales records and numbers for EVs, for plug-in hybrids, for different technology solutions, announcements for all of that what we are discussing. But on the other hand, sales is not stock how how can you bring these two key items into perspective all towards the defossilization of our sector and that's that's the uh that's a very good and very relevant question so in the end uh, we are emitting uh, co2 based on the vehicles we are using 
And um, if we are changing the vehicle sales and move more towards battery electric or fuel cell vehicles, um, this can happen rather quickly. And we expect that to happen, that change to happen on the vehicle sales uh, significantly in the 2020s. But it takes a much more or much longer time to then also turn around the fleet. So right. basically what you can say is there is a 10 to 15 years delay of turning around the fleet uh, after the point of sale, um, um, which 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 just mm -hmm. has to happen 10, 15 years earlier. And therefore, um, solutions which not only need or which not do not need that much time um, and be basically backwards compatible might become interesting as well. And there we are talking about the advantage of e-fuels or renewable synthetic fuels as a whole and mm -hmm. the backwards compatibility. And for example, that's also the reason why maybe uh, an OEM <laughs> such as Porsche is pushing that because 70% of all Porsches ever built are still on the streets. And the solution for that, uh, um, uh, one solution for that uh, could be to use e-fuels and defossilize these vehicles without scrapping them. Yeah, right. And you don't want to scrap all those Porsches. That is, that is <laughs> at least I, I wouldn't want it. Exactly. That's the general we and me personally, I would definitely <laughs> agree. So, uh, so much about the uh, synthetic fuels um, in uh, the, the vehicle stock, but there are other applications too for which that could be very interesting. I'm thinking about um, airplanes, for example, right? You wouldn't stuff all that battery in there. Exactly. Um, this is the, the, the topic of really other applications today. Very much in focus, of course, are passenger cars. Now um, the focus is moving towards, of course, also commercial vehicles. But then in the third step, we also need to defossilize larger vehicles, marines, but also airplanes. And here, um, just from a technology perspective, neither the battery because you have a lot of weight, which you would need to put on an airplane to, to fly battery electric, basically, nor the fuel cell and the required hydrogen tanks are light enough uh, to be used on international flights, for example. So here, uh, definitely the energy density of a liquid fuel, which then needs to be renewable, um, seems to be um, a viable solution. And here we see also a long-term market mm. For, mm. Uh, for renewable fuels, which is very important um, also for the business cases to set up these huge facilities to produce renewable fuel. So I hear you saying basically that we're in that uncomfortable situation that we can't really focus on one because all those solutions have their space, so to speak, and we need to develop all of them for the, uh, for the application where it fits really. Can you um, just briefly and very easily give us some, you know, timeline indications on when these technologies come into play? Yeah, I think uh, timeline-wise and also investment-wise, uh, we clearly see that um, for the passenger cars, the battery electric powertrain for sure is the one where a lot of investment is being put in both on the vehicle side by the manufacturers, but also on the infrastructure side, charging stations are, are popping up and so on. So there is a huge and the vastest amount of investments going into battery electric right now. And therefore we see the rollout of battery electric vehicles really 
steeply increasing in the 2020s so that for passenger cars we expect um, in some scenarios that there is 50 percent for example of new vehicle sales in 2030 and almost all vehicles by the end of the 2030s in europe passenger cars mm. being sold with battery electric or fuel cells so first focus on battery electric and its infrastructure full investments are, are mm. ongoing and then secondly um, later a little bit delayed um, the hydrogen-based powertrains either fuel cell and or um, hydrogen ICEs but here really we still have that kind of chicken and egg problem mm. which is basically we need to have kind of cost competitive powertrains so costs need to come down on the fuel cell and also cost competitive hydrogen and both can only happen if there is a lot of investments to right. scale up and mm. there mm. we still have kind of that chicken and egg problem but we expect that this will be overcome but with a delay so that hydrogen and hydrogen based powertrains will come in 2030 plus and mm. then last but not least the renewable fuels mm. here the investment is even more uncertain because for large-scale production of renewable fuels, there is a huge investment demand and there needs to be kind of a certainty for that investor that the renewable fuel will be used for quite some time. We're talking 20, 30 years and that security, investment security needs to be there, which is not there yet. So mm. we see that even um, at the stage of hydrogen timeline wise or even later to happen mm. in large right. scales interesting mm. perspective on that because we are not talking about technology only here but you know certainty in investment security that you give an investor uh to put all that money in there uh, and to make sure that he gets some some revenue out of it right Definitely. And this is uh, basically what we see in our day to day work, talking to OEMs, talking to um, any larger player in the energy sector. Really, the technologies are there, uh, but really the investment to scale up and then also bring costs down. Also here, clear roadmaps are there and it is possible, but there needs to be kind of a security in order to really go the step of, of, of mm -hmm. scaling up any kind of these technologies. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thomas, I would like to raise another point, uh, one of the key forces uh, behind that change in future technology, for sure, the regulators. I want to focus on the discussion on CO2 targets, which are in place already for a couple of years for passenger car applications, but also now for commercial vehicle applications. How can we control the CO2 emissions of manufacturers and how can we basically map their fleet emissions against the targets? What are what are the measures and the tools to do so? And how do you do it, right? Yeah, so from a, from a regulator's perspective, that, that is really a very tough question. And again, the question, do we regulate the CO2 emissions of newly registered vehicles and then take um, you know, the time of the effect 10, 15 years later on a grand scheme in the fleet. This is what is happening right now. And that's the, uh, the so far only doable way to control mm -hmm. these for new vehicle sales. And then secondly, the question is, um, do we um, look at the tailpipe emissions? So a purely tank to wheel um, um, view on things, which basically says, 
um, either hydrogen or battery electric vehicles are accounted as zero emission solutions, regardless where the electricity and the hydrogen is coming from. This is what happened, what is happening right now. And this is also giving kind of a security to the OEMs to invest in mm. these technologies, but at the same time is putting a bit of pressure or is inhibiting a bit the well-to-wheel perspective and for example, renewable fuels to be pushed a bit more to get investment security, because right now um, the regulator, especially in Europe, they look more on the tank to wheel side of things um, to push a certain technology and give a bit more um, mm -hmm. security on there. I guess that is in reality a very, very complex thing to do due to the variety of technology solutions you have to the differences in terms of investments and direct product costs too, due to the differences in terms of fuel economy improvement potentials. Now, how do we do that? How do we work in the industry? Do we have dedicated tools for that? Uh, definitely. And they are being built up. So uh, I think that you, you're mentioning a very good point. So we do have vehicle sales on the one hand. Mm -hmm. uh, on the far other end, we have the vehicle stock and we need to find good tools which are not only reflecting the status quo, but how is the vehicle stock um, impacted by changing vehicle sales. And we yeah. at FEV, we also have that tool where we basically translate our vehicle sales forecast into how does the vehicle stock develop over time with that mentioned 10, 15 years mm -hmm. delay. Mm -hmm. What is the energy consumption of that vehicle stock at any given point in time. What kind of energies are they using? Are they using less energy due to efficiency improvement? Big and important part. What kind of um, energy are they using? Is it still liquid fuels? Is it hydrogen? Is it electricity? And where is this coming from? And what mm. is the CO2 footprint and the amount of energy required as primary energy? Right. Maybe just one, one additional point to this. You mentioned the regulators. Um, now we see, especially in Germany, but also uh, on the EU level and uh, in the US as well, Joe Biden, they mm. now really very recently stipulate CO2 reduction targets for 2030, which are related to the vehicle stock. Mm. And this is a huge challenge for the transport industry, especially because if there is a target for the vehicle stock in 2030, this is very tough to achieve because um, basically in the vehicle stock, we will see what we are selling in 2030, what we are selling today. Mm. And there is very uh, much uncertainty on how we can actually achieve huge reductions by 2030 in the transport sector because we need time yeah. Yeah. to turn over the fleet towards 2050. That's a different story. Because there we have time to turn over the fleet towards more battery electric and fuel cell. But 2030 is going to be a huge problem. This is also what our tools show, which you are mentioning. Mm. And that will be a core um, challenge for the, for the years to come. Right. <laughs> so I hear from that. It, it's a huge challenge today already. And there's certainly no time to wait for anything. Right. And... To what Patrick said, Patrick mentioned that the OEM certainly need those tools to think about it. And I mean, of course, they would need it to think about the, you know, channeling, channeling their investments, about the complexity in the product portfolio, all of that. But also the impact on their their stock is super important when you think about stuff like after sales profit. Right? Yeah. 
and that is something that they also should think about today. Uh, quite a challenge, I'd say. Uh, uh, Definitely. I would even add, sorry, to add a, a point on that. You mentioned the OEMs, and let's let's talk about the supply base that basically right. affects these guys as well. They should know what they need to develop to basically target the products of from from the OEMs, right? I think that's a whole lot of of, of challenge. Right. Exactly. So. Um, so far, we have been focused very much on what is technologically possible, mm. but the impact and the transformation of one or the other direction we might take and the changing business strategies, the changing business models of OEMs, of their suppliers, but also the energy uh, sector and its key players is a huge second uh, question yeah. after uh, we have defined the technology path and and that is related again uh, to a lot of acceptance jobs but also the success in its core of any any um company who is yeah. related yeah. to the mobility sector you know what thomas that is certainly true and i've just decided we're going to make a special episode about that right <laughs> happy um, so... happy uh, to to support that one as well and and to give some of the insights because Again, that is the core of what we're doing. Not only look at technologies, but the business strategies to to win in this transition. Yeah, right. So then maybe the, the last question for today. Um, we have talked about all these measures, all these technologies, everybody moving right now. Do you think it's enough? Can we achieve our targets with what's happening right now? Or if not, if I may add, what's needed also from a legislation standpoint, infrastructure, all of that? Yeah, um, that's a very uh, good question and tough one to answer. The, I think the fact which I mentioned earlier, these very recent target announcements of the German government, the EU government, other countries, including the US, hmm. of uh, CO2 target or CO2 emission reduction in the fleet of the transportation sector by 2030, is a huge challenge to be net zero in 2050. Probably that's the easier thing to, to achieve because we have time mm. to turn over the mm. The key challenge will be 2030. And there we are talking not only about technology, but different mobility solutions and so on. Mm. But uh, if you ask, uh, the second part of your question was how to, uh, how to do or do we, are we doing enough? Right. For sure on the, reg on the regulation side, um, the next step needs to be after setting these very, uh, very stringent targets and ambitious targets, which need to be ambitious uh, for sure. Mm -hmm. We are fully supporting that. But to underline that with more specific pathways and um, targets to achieve that in the feed in this short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we are talking deeper in the regulation um, when it comes to standardization of charging infrastructure for megawatt charging, the question of standards um, on the hydrogen infrastructure, and there we are touching the infrastructure topic already. So how are we setting up our hydrogen infrastructure? Will it be compressed? Will it be liquid? Mm. Will we produce the hydrogen locally or um, in a, on a more global scale and ship mm. it around in a liquid, in ships, in pipelines? So mm. on the infrastructure, there's a huge way to go. Yeah. And then last but not least on the technology side, I think um, batteries, we are on a very good pathway because there's a lot of investment happening. 
and still on the hydrogen fuel cell, the tanks, the hydrogen ICE, and also the renewable fuels. The question is how much investments do we put into the scale-up and industrialization of these technologies? So on all areas, legislation, right. infrastructure, and technology, a lot to do, uh, yeah. but that means a lot of interesting <laughs> challenges I, for everybody of us. Just, just wanted to say, Thomas, isn't that the beauty of it, that there is so much to do and to, to develop? Yeah, that's what to work on. Yeah. It is, it is. And and I mean, we have seen the, the colleagues uh, who are working in each of these fields yeah. and the, the discussions and, and the context and the challenges we see in the industry with our partners. It's definitely a very exciting time, especially to work in the mobility sector. I, I fully agree. Yeah. Um, so not only that, you've also given us I'd say I don't know how you see that, Patrick, but uh, plenty of topics to discuss in in the next episodes, and you're already basically he, he, to he defined them. He <laughs> defined them already. That's that's wonderful. <laughs> Great. I I would be happy to to join and uh, support the the upcoming discussions. So let's do that then. Uh, but for to, uh, for today, we're gonna call it a day. Um, thank you very much, Thomas. Thanks a lot. It was Thomas. a real pleasure. Thank you very much, Thomas.